0: Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. I grew up in a small town in Kansas. Um, I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't believe in God. I didn't go to church. Some of you have heard my testimony. I'm not going to bore you with that testimony. Youth got to go too, sorry. I forgot that part. I wonder why I don't have a church. Um, So, I forgot where I was. Oh, so so I wasn't raised in this. Um, My life was about sports. I was going to play football and I was going to do anything, step on anybody I could to get to that point. That became everything, and then it was taken away. And without Jesus, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what to do. Because that was what I had put my life in. I thought that was my purpose. I thought that was my uh, calling. But it was taken away, so really I didn't get it. I didn't have a relationship with God, so I couldn't blame Him. So uh, I didn't know who to blame. Except myself. And so I went through my life, Um, that was in 1996, April 7th, at about 12.30 p.m. I I, I knelt down and I surrendered to Christ. I had never been to a church that even told about forgiveness. I'd I'd only been to church once probably my whole life, and that was with my grandmother. Um, But I didn't step foot in churches. I thought all the church people were weak. And all they did was cry on each other's shoulders and whine about how bad things were. It was a wrong way of looking at things, even though there were some. So I want to get into, uh, and I have a purpose for all this, and I'm going to tell you kind of what that is. Um, I've never been so nervous to get in front of people as I am today. And And I normally am very, I don't really care what people think, to be honest, but today, I'm bringing a message that hits me hard and has been hitting me hard for months. And I want to bring it to you because God's brought me through it. And I guarantee there's someone in here that needs to hear this. Otherwise, he wouldn't have brought it. And I thank Todd for trusting me to stand before you. Most pastors don't do that. We have an awesome pastor that trusts the Holy Spirit. Most churches wouldn't let me stand in here. I don't have a degree. I don't have all the smarts that a lot of them have. But I do know this God cares about me like anybody else, and He cares about you like anybody else, too. So we're going to be in Isaiah. Y'all know Isaiah. Isaiah is a great prophet. Um, we're going to be in Isaiah 42. And I'm gonna drive the guys in the back crazy because I jump all over the place. And they ask me what my scripture was. I gave them this, but this isn't really the key part of it. Um, but there's a lot of it, so I'm just gonna jump around. I'll try to tell you. Someone hold up their hand if I don't tell you what, where we're at. All right. So we're gonna be in Isaiah 42. And if you've ever read Isaiah 42, the whole thing he's talking about in the beginning, he's talking about the Messiah. If you know that. The way you know that is at the beginning, he says, this is my servant, and he uses a big S, right, when he says that. But then we get into 18, so you can read through that. I'm not going to read that whole thing, plus I would bore you um, because I'm not a very good reader, Um, but we're going to get to 18 where it says, and I am going to read that. So the first 18 says, listen, you deaf, look, you blind, so that you may see. Who is the blind but my servant, little s? That's you and me. Now he's talking to us. He laid it out what we were supposed to be like with the big ass servant. This is who you're supposed to model after. But then it comes here who is blind but my servant, or deaf like my messenger? I am sending. Who is blind like like my dedicated one, or blind like the servant of the Lord? Though seeing many things, you do not obey. Though his ears are open, he does not listen. The Israelites were chasing after everything but God. They were chasing after everything but God. So then, when you do that, you forget who God is. You forget the big ass servant. You forget what He told you. Because you're chasing after everything but Him. So then if you look in 43.10, He says He's going to remind you of who you are. He's going to remind me who I am. He says, you are my witnesses, the Lord declares, and my servant whom I have chosen. He chose you to be his servant. If you don't know him, you need to find him today. Because he's chosen you. If you don't know him, he ain't chose you. Because he's talking to the followers. And he says, "Whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. No god was formed before me and there will be none after me. I I am the Lord." And there is no other Savior but me. I alone declared, saved and proclaimed, and not some foreign God among you. So you are my witnesses, the the Lord's declaration. And I am God. Also, from today on, I am He alone, and no one can take anything from my hand. He's reminding us of what we did when we were little S's. That we were chasing after everything but Him. Those Israelites were chasing after everything but Him. So, God reminds us in light of His character, our pursuits of idols is a rejection of Him. So those things we've been chasing, let's just call them for what they are. They're idols. They're things that take His place. That's what an idol does. That's why when they would carve images out of wood, they would do all those things. They wanted to worship them because they could see it. Yet they were rejecting the one that created it. The one that created them. We think we need more to get ahead. We need more than Christ. They needed more than, than God. They needed money. They needed things. They needed all these different things other than God. We think that too. I don't know, but I'm, I'm thinking of me. I'm the first going to tell you, because when I get to the part of this message that I'm dreading, you're going to see that we are all in this together. So the Israelites had failed to grasp who they were created to be. They were, being treat- they were treating their calling and their gifts and their passions as their purpose and their identity. That's a scary place to be. When you start finding your identity and your gifts, and your calling and your passion, that's a scary place to be. Because you think you're doing what you're supposed to. Let's talk about Paul, real quick. When he was called Saul, remember him? He was killing people that were followers. He thought he was doing right, he thought that was his calling. He was so focused on that that he was doing exactly the opposite. Of what Jesus wanted him to do. So then he had to knock him off his donkey. Blind him. Kind of goes back to Isaiah. Blind. Right? He had to blind him. And Paul had two choices. Stay blind for the rest of his life. Or surrender. Well thank God Paul surrendered. Because we wouldn't have much of a Bible if he didn't. But you see. He was chasing after what he thought was good what he thought was right what he thought was his calling yet it was totally not what god had he didn't know who jesus was he didn't understand him which is where we are a lot of us we don't really understand who jesus is we think we do but we don't they had a place that they had placed their hope in something that cannot satisfy and it took their focus away from the one they were made to worship and bring honor So it pulled their focus onto their idols away from the God that had created them and why they had been created. So my question, well, actually two questions, sorry. And I don't normally take notes, but I really wanted to get this right. And I prayed over this, actually gave it to me yesterday, so I know it was God because I ain't been planning for a week to bring this whole message. So it says, my question, what is your calling or purpose. What's your calling or your purpose? Many of us struggle with that. We think God's forgot us. I don't know. I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what my purpose is. How can you know your calling and your purpose? That's my other question. How can you know that? I think we focus so much as Christians on what our calling is that we forget who Jesus is. We get so focused on not having a calling. Calling. I only heard that in Jesus in in Christian circles, by the way. I never heard that when I was a lost sinner. I didn't hear calling. You just did crap. You know, you just did it. It wasn't my calling. That's a Christian word, I think. Made up by humans. And it makes other people feel bad because they ain't got a calling. That makes it look like preachers or people that lead ministries or all those things. They have a calling, but I don't. That's a lie from the enemy. Every one of us has a calling. And I'm going to tell you what it is today. I'm going to tell every one of you what your calling is today. Every one of you. So if anybody out here don't know, when you leave here today, you're going to know. You're gonna know what that is. We can place our hope in something that cannot satisfy, just like they did, and we can take and it it takes our focus away from the one we are made to worship and bring honor. All of us are there. I let football; that's all I wanted to do. It took my focus off everything. I took steroids. I did stupid stuff. I, I did everything I could to get ahead to get that level and it was taken away I thought that was my calling I didn't call it that I just thought that was what I was going to do so then that got taken away so I got a job that was my focus I'm going to work and make money my goal was to be a millionaire by the way I'm not That's my goal. Work hard, show up to work, 80 hours a week, do what I need to do. All that got me was divorced and away from my kid. So everything was taken away again. I was was going after things that can give me no satisfaction. By the way, I was a Christian when I got that divorce. We say... If I get this job, if I get accepted into this college, if I move into this house, if I help more people, if I drive that car, if I just can make this amount of money, I'll be, I'll be there. I'll be where I'm supposed to be. I'll be able to focus on God. I'll be able to do the things that I always wanted to do. I'll be able to give money to people. I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to do that. What's your if? What's your if I? Not if. What's your if I? It's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie. Never make enough money. You'll never have a big enough house. You'll never have a nice enough car. He'll always want more. He'll always want more. See, we think we need something other than Jesus. In order to be who Jesus called us to be. We need education. I need to get my life right. I need to do the right thing. I need to clean myself up. I need to quit drugs. I need to quit drinking. I need to do this in order for now I can focus on Jesus. No. That's not how this works. That's not the Jesus I know. But you know what? I did the same dang thing. I did the same thing. I read this Bible front to back multiple times. Yet I still miss it. I still don't get it. I still don't understand it. We think if we get fulfilled with these things and find purpose in them, we'll be satisfied. When we cannot imagine life without doing certain things or having certain things, then our calling has become our purpose and our idol. You get that job, and now it becomes your purpose. How many times, men especially, hey, what'd you do? Well, I do this, I do this, I do this. No, who are you? If someone came up to most men and women, probably, I'm not a woman, so I don't know, um, and said, who are you? Most of the time, we'll tell them what we do. But really, who are you? That's what God kept asking me. Who are you? Who are you? Who is Matt Armbruster? Who are you? Man, I couldn't answer. I'm a ministry leader. I do things good. I help a lot of people. People pat me on the back. All that. But then he says, no. Who are you? So it's become an idol. So I'm going to talk now about when your calling, whatever you want to call it, becomes your idol. In Isaiah 44, 6 through 20, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he talks a lot about working. So he goes in there and it's, it says, the iron worker labors over the coals. The woodworker stretches out the measurements because of all these different things. He makes a God of his idol and and with the rest of it, he bows down to it and worships. He prays to it, save me for you are my God. Save me. Many of us depend on our job or other people to save us. It's not going to save you. There's only one thing that can save us. And that's the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. And then it goes down into 20. And this is talking about the dude. So it says, I will bow down to a block of wood. And then it says, he feeds on ashes. His, he, his deceived mind has led him astray. And he cannot deliver himself or say, isn't, this, isn't there a lie in my right hand? Remember these things, Jacob and Israel. For you are my servant, little s. I formed you. You are my servant, little s. Israel, you will never be forgotten by me. The draw of finding meaning outside of Christ is a lie. And it makes us much, as much sense as eating ashes. This dude was feeding on ashes from the idol that he made. See, what he's talking about, we're feeding on the ashes of our work, of our family, of our, of our sport, of our, you name it, I don't know what yours is. I just know what mine is. I know this is all kind of deep. I usually cover up my nervousness with humor, but I really can't find no humor in this. I can't. I can't even make a joke about it. Because it's been so real to me. Devoting our life to our calling and passion, even in hopes of glorifying God, can also lead us down the wrong path. What seems good in our eyes becomes an excuse to ignore God and others in our lives. We don't mean to make idols out of things, but our hearts form them quickly. Our sinful nature whispers false promises. That to be someone in the kingdom of God, we need Jesus plus something else, or as I thought, God needs, or as I thought, God needs us to be a part of a certain work. While we would never utter such words aloud in a small group, our hearts repeat them over and over to ourselves. When we shape anything into an idol, God will discipline us for seeking after an unreliable source of hope. So how do we know if we have turned something into an idol? How do we know? There's a couple things that I'll read real quick. Um, Something is an idol when it causes us to disobey God. It gives me greater joy than Christ. It gives me the most excitement about the future. It is what I daydream about the most. It is what I most enjoy talking about. It is what I fear losing. It is what I most enjoy reading about. It is what I most love spending money on. It is what I look for, look to for heart rejuvenation. It is what I most enjoy spending time on. Those are ten things that you can figure out if you have turned something into an idol. So why am I talking about this? This is the part I don't want to talk about. But I'm going to anyway. Because that's what God told me to do. (laughs) So I don't want to disobey Him. Um, I had become like the Israelites. Some of you don't know me. Some of you do. Some of you know what I do. Um, God has been removing some idols from me for the last six months. So because of his love, it's because of his love for me and my blindness towards him. I have repented of this, not confessed, because confession's easy. I can say I'm sorry all day long, but repenting means turn from it. That's a difference. Confession's easy. I mean, I can say, I probably said I'm sorry a thousand times. I can repent of finding my meaning in what I did and the pride of believing God needed me to accomplish his plans. The sin of neglecting my family, holding on to the past mistakes and trying to make up for it. This had caused turmoil in my relationships and caused me to lose focus on my family, others, myself, and my Savior. My calling had become my purpose my idol, my escape. And I explained it away every day. I'm helping people. I'm doing what God called me to. No, he called me to bring honor to him. And when we neglect our families, and when we don't do what we're supposed to do for them, then we are not bringing honor to God. That is not how God wants us to honor him. He wants us to honor Him by trusting Him. I, went th- I can't tell what six months, six months, this last six months, I have grown so much. We had this question in our small group. What are you looking forward to in 2023? You know what I'm looking forward to? Letting God lead. He's a way better leader than me. I didn't think I, had, I could ever leave ransom because it would die without me. I didn't think I could ever not be there because it would die without me. Those people couldn't do it. That's my job. You know, I I made a lot of mistakes in my life and I was trying to make up for it by good. You know, weigh the scale. My scale was way down here with bad stuff. So I had to do a lot of good things so I could get it back. That ain't how God works. God forgave me on April 7th, 1996. At 12.30 p.m. He forgave me. He forgot all that. Yet I was still trying to make up for it. By doing good. I had turned my men and women that I deal with every single day into a commodity. They were a commodity because they were feeding me. They were feeding my pride. They were feeding who I was. They were making me make up for what I had done to God. What I had done to other people. And that I used them as a commodity. I had to apologize to them. Because that's not who they are. They're not a commodity. They're a person who I get to hang out with every day that teach me how to be a better person. Yet I thought I was doing good. I didn't do things with my family. I didn't do things with Tara. Tara's not here today because she wanted me to be able to be real. I appreciate my wife. My wife, be careful what you pray for. I prayed that she would tell me exactly how she felt, and then she did. And I didn't like it. Because first, the truth will set you free, but first it's going to piss you off. I denied it. I had really become an addict to doing good. I was addicted to it. I'm Matt Armbruster. I'm an addict. I had become an addict to doing good. It fed me. And I started getting fed from other things besides God. And that's wrong. That is wrong. And I know that. And he's forgiven me. And I'm moving forward. And it has been the most freeing thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. More freeing than the day I got on my knees and accepted Christ. It has been the most freeing thing I've ever experienced. I no longer have to do it all. I have to let Him do it. I'm not good enough to do it all. It's a daily choice, though. Because I still feel myself sometimes slipping back in. Because see, when 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 I was um, cutting grass, I used to have a lawn business. I mean, if I could go through the list of things I've done, you guys would be amazed. Um, None of them worked, but anyways, I did a lot of things. (laughs) So there, I threw a little joke in there. Um, So no one ever came up and said, oh, Matt, you're the best lawn mower in the world. Or you're the best weed eater guy I've ever seen. So I never really built up in that. But I have that every day with what I do now. And I loved it. I loved it. It made me feel like I was somebody, right? But God told me, no, nah, I'm somebody. You're just a, I can do this without you. I could have done it without you. If you just said no, I'd have found someone that did. That's kind of humbling. So your calling is to praise and honor God. See, I just told you what your calling is. That's your only calling on earth is to praise and honor Him. That's it. Kind of simple, isn't it? Because when you do that, all that other stuff works. It just works because you're bringing honor to Him. At the center of of Israel's idolatry was the too small view of God. And sometimes this can be true of us all. We have this really small picture of who God is. He's huge. He can do anything. He can raise people from the dead. Can you do that? He said you could. He said you'll do greater things than me. He said, you'll do great. But see, the key to that is not you. Him through you will do greater things than that. See, we want to try to do it on our own. You cannot, man, take care of your family. You can't do it. You can't provide for your family. Only he can. You might think you are, but when you start taking credit for it, that's idolatry. You don't do that. Ladies, you cannot take care of your home or your work, and you can't do that either. Only he can. You cannot meet the needs of your husband. Only he can. When we start looking to our spouses to meet the needs in our lives, that's idolatry. Your spouse is not made or meant to meet your needs. He is. And when he does that, men, women want leaders in their homes. They want spiritual leaders. The enemy does not. So when you think you can't pray with your wife, that's an enemy. Because man, he wants, they want it. I mean, I'm speaking for, I'm not a woman again. I'm just speaking for my life. They want that. We can fail to see God for who He is and turn towards something else we deem better. The Israelites, ju- the Israelites, just like you and me, were forgetful people. Ten times God uses the phrase, I am, in Isaiah 43 and 44. He repeats the reality of His character so we can see their stupidity in placing our trust anywhere else besides Him. We are called to praise God. Despite our unworthiness to belong to Him, God lavishes His love upon us. And this deserves our praise. Our identities are forever bound in Jesus, and our lives should reflect Him. We are made to know God and delight in Him. That is the only thing that will satisfy our hungry hearts. When we allow anything else to take the place of this, an idol takes root and spreads. Our passions are designed to bind our relationships with God, Not define our meaning. It wasn't that I was not supposed to be doing what I was doing. But I was was needing to do it to bind myself closer to Him. Not define me. We are called to love and bring glory to God. Period. End of story. You don't need nothing else. You don't need Jesus and... You don't need Jesus and a good heart. You don't need Jesus and good behavior. You just need Jesus. That's it, man. So over the last six months, I'd like to say that I am healed, done. Everything's cool. I'm walking with God. I'm doing everything. I swear well, that'd be a lie. It's a day to day thing. Because my sinful nature raises up in me all the time. The reason I wanted to bring this message is to just be real, man. We as Christians walk around like whitewashed tombs, trying to look good on the outside when God really knows what we are on the inside. And you know what? If anyone judges you for that, that's on them. That's a sin too. Just be honest. First of all, honest with yourself. That's what I had to do. I had to get honest with myself. And then be honest with your loved ones and those around you that I ain't got this figured out. But I'm trying every day. And God cares so much for you that he don't ever give up on you. Which I think is funny. Because <laughs> I would have gave up on me a long time ago. But that's who I am. That is where I've been for six months. I took six weeks off. Well, people told me I needed to take six weeks off. So I took six weeks and, I don't know, church word sabbatical. And uh, I thought it was to find my direction with ransom. Little did I know it was to find direction for myself. Ransom Ministries has never run better than it has over the last two months. And I ain't hardly been there. Because God showed me that that ain't mine. That's his. It's allowed me to meet some really neat people and also work on me. So I appreciate you listening to me. I appreciate you listening to my work. Hopefully it reached someone. Hopefully someone... I wasn't trying to be ugly. I was just telling you what was on me. And and that's all I'll ever do. Anytime someone asks me to speak, I'm going to tell you what I'm dealing with. And if you're dealing with it, great. Now, if you have no problem with it, and you don't set idols up, and you don't find meaning in what you do, I would love to have lunch with you because I would love to learn your secret. Because I really don't think there's very many people in this church or in this community that don't struggle with it. So don't think I don't think I'm on an island by myself I think there's a lot of people that do the same thing they find meaning in their work they find meaning in who they are they even find meaning in their family and that's an idol too if that's all you do you have to find your meaning in Christ and Christ is the answer to everything everything any problem you have he is the answer just sell out to him man. sell out he's all we need We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it, but put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.